So let me go ahead and start us. This is Josh Malden, and this is a Theology Matters podcast. This is a special series where I'm getting in touch with CTI members around the country and around the world to ask them how they're dealing with this pandemic in their own work and how it's affecting their research and their thinking. I'm here today with Mark Eaton. Mark, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me, Josh. It's great to be on the phone with you and uh, yeah, looking forward to our conversation. Mark, you were in the CTI Research Workshop on Religion and Violence last year. Tell the listeners uh, where you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm in Southern California, and I'm a professor of English at Azusa Pacific University, and I'm also a research professor at Claremont Graduate University. So, you know, my work is mainly on sort of religion and literature. I just published a book called Religion and American Literature Since 1950. Uh, It's published by Bloomsbury Academic, and it's in a series, a book series at Bloomsbury called New Directions in Religion and Literature. And I'm also really excited that uh, uh, I have a book uh, coming out with Oxford University Press that I'm editing. It's an edited collection of essays called historical fiction now. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm, where I am at the moment. When you left CTI uh, at the end of the workshop, it would have been May of 2019, just about a year ago. We did not know a pandemic was coming. So what's your everyday uh, life been like in terms of your research? I see you're at home. Uh, How's your teaching been changing and what's the plan for teaching in the fall? Yeah. I mean, one of the most uh, amazing things about this pandemic is, is how like even if you were sort of following what was happening in the paper, in the newspaper, you know, when it started in China, et cetera, you kind of, there was no way of knowing how it would affect our lives so profoundly. Mm -hmm. So I remember those weeks in March where everything just started happening, almost like dominoes falling. And so anyway, you know, I was teaching obviously classes, in the spring semester and we had to go online very quickly around mid-March. And I would say that that went pretty well. I was able to convert my classes to online learning pretty quickly, you know, posting PowerPoint lectures and and that sort of thing and doing also synchronous meetings on, on Zoom, which worked pretty well. But I did notice among the students that there was a little bit of fatigue that started to set in, you know, especially towards the end of the semester. So I think going forward and thinking about next fall, I'm kind of trying to figure out, all right, how are we going to do this? I mean, my school is hoping to be in-person classes in the fall, uh, but we're also going to be uh, expected to kind of do it simultaneously online, if that makes sense, and, and do all sorts of things. So I think a lot of us are just having to kind of improvise and and come up with new ways of doing things and then as far as being a scholar too i think initially i felt like the pandemic was really distracting and it was a little bit hard to focus on my work initially but as the as the summer kind of kicked in and i i was done teaching i've managed to kind of get back on track with my research and writing so yeah tell me about the book that just came out and congratulations as well on the book religion and american fiction since 1950. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, Josh. This was a book that really CTI, my time at CTI was instrumental in getting this book done because the book series that I'm in is is a, a great series called New Directions in Religion and Literature, but it, 
it tended to want the books around 90,000 words. So I had this manuscript that was significantly longer than that. And uh, so I managed to cut about 40,000 words out of it during my time at CTI. And I have to say that that time was just, I couldn't have done it without that time and that, you know, being able to devote the time to it. And also the book, I think in the end is a lot cleaner and more efficient and kind of easier to read. So I, I like how it turned out. The book is about American writers since the 1950s up to the present. And it's sort of about, you know, what we learn about, you know, changes in the religious landscape in the United States through literature. So I'm looking at a bunch of different writers like Flannery O'Connor, who was a devout Catholic, James Baldwin, who started out as a preacher in the Pentecostal churches in Harlem, and then, you know, kind of became a writer from there. I examine quite a few Jewish writers, including Saul Bellow and Philip Roth, and Don DeLillo, Marilyn Robinson, John Updike, quite a number of people. And I guess the basic idea is that because literature kind of gives us glimpses into the inner life, the interiority of characters, that we really learn a lot about how people live their faith. Like, what does it look like on the ground? So that's that's the basic inside of the book. Yeah, I'm happy to have it published. It's great. Thanks, and congratulations again. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it myself. Maybe talk a bit also about the, the next project you're working on with, on religion and violence, which also brings in fiction. Actually, this sort of started uh, as part of the religion and American literature since... 1950 book is that I had this whole chapter on 9-11 fiction, fiction about terrorism. So because I had to shorten the book so much, I was able to think about using that chapter for this new project on religion and violence. And specifically, I'm looking at kind of radicalization, like how people become radicalized and kind of adopt these ideologies that are quasi-religious. I mean, often there's, there's a sense that people become enamored with these kind of Manichaean worldviews of us versus them and good versus evil. And they have a kind of religious framing often. Uh, so the sociologist Scott Atron calls these individuals devoted actors. They're devoted to a cause. And yet at the same time, they become cut off from family ties or any other sort of social ties. And they become part of these kind of tight networks of their fellow devoted at work, uh, their, their fellow devoted actors in, in this cause. So I'm looking at radicalization again through literature. And I also find that in the literature about 9-11 attacks, for example, that authors are able to kind of like get inside the mindset and the thinking of these characters. And, you know, they, they sort of have imaginative license to do that. I mean, I think you have to be careful as an author not to impute things to these, to these people that are unrealistic or implausible. But I think authors tend to do a pretty good job of that. And so my thought on this project is that, you know, what can we learn from literature about the pathways to terror among these individuals. So that project is kind of still ongoing. And at the moment, I'm wondering if, you know, maybe I should expand the project to look at not just terrorism, but possibly other kinds of problems in our contemporary world. 
one of which might be, you know, sort of the literature of pandemics, also the drug wars and that kind of thing. So, so that project is, is sort of next on the docket. And uh, yeah, I'm still working on that. One of the other things we were talking about, Mark, uh, in our previous emails leading up to this was, as you just mentioned, literature about pandemics, which has been kind of floating around in the internet since the pandemic started. People have been talking about pulling up books from 30, 40, 20 you know, yeah, years ago. Yeah and revisiting them. So yeah, maybe talk to me about that. Yeah, so this has been kind of a long-standing interest of mine. I've taught a course a couple different times on apocalyptic fiction. And, you know, so in, in those courses, I've often had students look at literature about pandemics. And I also remember, you know, a long time ago reading Barbara Tuckman's book about the Black Death in the 14th century called a distant mirror. And, you know, I've, I don't know, I've always been kind of fascinated with the Black Death and with contagion and pandemics. And so, you know, obviously with this current global pandemic, it kind of prompts a lot of people to look back and think anew about some of these works, you know, that we've, we've had over time. So I've, I've had a lot of fun not only thinking back to the stuff that I've read, but also reading some new books uh, that I would call kind of pandemic literature. What are some of the examples? Yeah, so uh, I, can, I sort of think back to earlier versions of this. And, you know, in a grad school class one time uh, on uh, narrative, uh, narrative in the Renaissance, I read Boccaccio, you know, the Decameron. And so that's, that's kind of a very early example from the 14th century of Boccaccio writing these tales during the Black Death of 1348, where people escaped from Florence into the hillsides and told these stories to one another. And then there's Daniel Defoe's A Journal of the Plague Year about the plague in London. Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein, of course, uh, she has a, a kind of sci-fi novel that not everyone knows about called The Last Man. And this is kind of a futuristic book set in the 21st century in 2092, to be exact. And it's about a plague that starts out in Constantinople and then spreads all over the world. And so I've loved, you know, kind of thinking back to those earlier ones, but then as a specialist in kind of 20th and 21st century American literature, I think there are a lot of examples uh, more recently. Um, Richard Matheson's I Am Legend. That's a novel from 1954 that was made into a movie in 2007 with Will Smith. And it's about a kind of virus that uh, infects people and turns them into almost like zombies or something. Uh, so a, a similar example is Justin Cronin's The Passage. Um, from 2010, where people that are infected with this highly contagious virus kind of turn into sort of zombies, rampaging zombies. But then I'll just end with these two recent novels that I've just read that I found amazing, and I highly recommend them. And so one is uh, Emily St. John Mandel wrote a novel called Station Eleven from 2014. It was a National Book Award finalist. And it's kind of a, a, an example of a kind of more realistic pandemic narrative where this swine flu 
breaks out in the state of Georgia, a former Soviet republic, and it kind of spreads across the globe and kills, you know, something like a third of the entire population. And then similarly, uh, Lawrence Wright, who is mostly a nonfiction writer, he won a Pulitzer Prize for his book, The Looming Tower, about the lead up to the 9-11 attacks. So he, he's known for his nonfiction, but this is a novel about a uh, epidemiologist from the CDC named Henry Parsons, uh, who travels to Indonesia to check out this outbreak of a virus. And then similarly, this virus spreads across the globe despite quarantine and social distancing efforts. And in both cases, these novels, the pandemic is quite a bit more uh, serious, you know, in terms of the death toll. But nonetheless, they're pretty realistic. And it's kind of eerie to read the Lawrence Wright one, especially because this book came out in just this year, in 2020. And yet, you know, he was writing it before this all happened. It's almost like a book that's like prescient for what we're currently dealing with. Uh, so that one call is called The End of October, and I highly recommend it. The End of October. Maybe as a last question, it's a, maybe a difficult one. When you read these yeah. kinds of books, yeah. why, why do you read them? What's your, what's your purpose? I mean, I know you have your own academic reasons, but is there, do you garner certain insights which you then can take with you? Do you read them for the same reason you might read the newspaper every morning or is that a different? <laughs> That's a good question, Josh. I mean, I have to admit that uh, when, the, when the sort of pandemic first hit, I was a little obsessed with the newspaper. And, uh, you know, all of us, I think, were a little anxious about what was happening. And I'm kind of a news junkie anyways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I read a lot in the newspaper. And as I mentioned before, I was a little too distracted from my own research and stuff. So I don't know, maybe part of it was that in turning to the literature about pandemics, I felt like I was getting a, a slightly deeper and kind of more, I don't know, a deeper and kind of more thoughtful account of what's going on. And I think we kind of look to literature for models of thinking and models of behaving. And I think that literature can be ennobling in that way to show us how people are heroic or how people can, you know, I think of a book like The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which to my mind is about how do we preserve the dignity of, a, of being human in the midst of, you know, these kind of very extreme situations. So I think ultimately that's what I'd probably say is that, that these books are about, you know, who are we as human beings? I mean, what do we do to survive? What do we do to preserve, sort of preserve human civilization in the midst of all these issues that we face? So yeah, it's kind of been helpful to kind of get me back thinking more seriously about things as opposed to just being distracted by what's going on. Well, thanks, Mark. I think that's a good point to end on. And I just want to thank you again for being on the podcast and sharing these insights with us. Okay, great, Josh. It's been a pleasure. And uh, it's great to chat with you again. And I hope everything is going well going forward. I hope everything kind of goes well with CTI. Thanks, Mark.